Welcome to the Strata Leadership Show, a podcast designed to help you gain clarity, lead effectively, and drive results for yourself, your team, and your organization. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Miller. Welcome to the Strata Leadership Show. Today, we have someone that I uh, just find to be a source of inspiration to me. She is uh, someone that I've known for uh, a few years, and I, I just can't think of someone who has done more to not just change the end results of her company, but to change the culture of that company. It's always been a good place, but it made that leap that every CEO wants to see from being good to truly being great with great people. And so today our guest is Judy McReynolds, and she comes to us from ArcBest, where she serves as the CEO and chairman and a number of other things, really. But she is someone that uh, I just think the world of and love her story. So, Judy, welcome to the Strata Leadership Show. Well, thank you, Dr. Miller. I really appreciate being on with you today. And as as you have uh, introduced me, I, I, I get to say back to you how much I think of you and, and the impact that you've had on our company. It's been dramatic and positive, and we love the partnership. Well, thank you. You, um, you mean a lot to us. So for the listeners who probably have, uh, they probably know ArcBest, they've probably even um, been impacted by ArcBest, but if I said, what does ArcBest do and, and where are they and all that, they might, mm-hmm. they might not know. Could you, could you introduce ArcBest to us? Sure. Well, ArcBest is a logistics company that we like to say is uh, comprised of creative problem solvers that deliver integrated solutions to our customers. So um, if you take that and then, okay, what does that actually mean? What are we actually doing? Well, we're delivering uh, shipments, freight, which sometimes is full load. Sometimes it's less than truck load. Uh, Sometimes it's managing or arranging the logistics of of a customer supply chain for them. Um, And we work with our customers to develop those solutions and combinations of things including some assets and some partnerships that we use. And uh, hopefully the end result is we're uh, helping them with their supply chain. And what's important in today's world is for that to be um, effective, efficient, which means that it's uh, lower cost and predictable, reliable. So uh, that's our role in um, many shippers' minds. So So you're company is comprised of several different pieces. What are right. some of the pieces that are part of ArcBest? Well, um, really what's interesting is in the last few years, a lot of these are integrated, but uh, you know we have the asset-based business that is uh, ABF Freight. Uh, many of, of the listeners might see a gold and green you know truck going down the interstate and that's our our uh, network that's about 240 locations that um, you know is moving primarily less than truckload shipments and um, you know that's the company that's been in business since 1923 so you know our company is nearly 100 years old it's because of ABF that we we can say that and so What's uh, developed in more recent years and really in response to our customers' requests and needs is what we call the asset light part of our business, which is more those logistics uh, services that I described. And those are 
um, you know, again, movement of shipments, typically full load, or it might be ground expedite. Um, it, since we're in this era of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, think of medical uh, supplies or CDC, uh, you know, shipment needs, that sort of thing. Those things move expedite. But anyway, we have relationships with carriers that do those things and we manage and arrange those uh, with shippers. But what's even more interesting is when you get the asset-based and the asset-light going together, kind of coming together to be a ultimate solution for a, one of our customers. And so uh, I know you have locations everywhere, but um, where is your corporate office? Um, it's in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Not too far from you, about three hours. <laughs> and I will say that if you've not been to Fort Smith, Arkansas before, it is just a beautiful place with um, the just nature and then the uh, rivers that come through that area. Um, Fort Smith is just one of those neat places with a, a picturesque downtown, great places to eat and to do life. It's, it's a neat spot to go for tourism. So I would say to, to people listening in, if you haven't been to Fort Smith, it's a great place. And it's my understanding that that's now the second largest uh, community in Arkansas. It's it a, is. A that is true. That's true. You know, the, the communities up the road up north are growing leaps and bounds, you know, so, but we do enjoy that status today. And Fort Smith, uh, you know, as you've described it, is a wonderful place to visit and live. It also um, produces great people. Um, they, I think the hard work uh, ethic comes out around here. I know of a lot of people that work for our company that have grown up on farms and done, you know, maybe more interesting things in their growing up lives than just, you know, sitting around on the couch playing video games or something, you know, so we, we like that grit about our people. Um, and we have a good university here. It's part of the uh, University of Arkansas system, UA Fort Smith. And um, we've worked with them in a good way to, you know, bring about an employee base that really works well for us. One of my, uh, colleagues who has uh, since passed away was a man named Colonel Pendleton Woods. And Penn uh, was a um, soldier in World War II captured behind enemy lines uh, at the Battle of the Bulge and just someone who meant just the world to me. And he was from Fort Smith. And so he would tell me stories about Fort Smith all the time. And it was just something that uh, he would definitely say what you just said, that Fort Smith shaped who he would become. And his three brothers, all four of them were Eagle Scouts from Fort Smith, and he just loved that town. Mm -hmm. So talking about how we grew up and where we grew up, let's go back to your life. Uh -huh. Tell us about growing up for you. What was life like for you? Well, I would say my growing up life, um, family is very important. Um, I have, you know, still today, I'm fortunate to have two 80-year-old parents who um, still are as proud as they can be of me. Uh, you know, I have an older sister and a younger brother and my parents uh, told us we could do anything. And so very, very middle-class, um, you know, walked to elementary school, uh, you know, had a, a mom that took care of, you know, the transportation to and from all the rest, all the activities. I was a, uh, you know, went through school all uh, years in Norman, Oklahoma, and um, 
loved being in that environment where you were um, you were able to gain the benefits of the University of Oklahoma. I thought that that made uh, my growing up and educational experience, I think, more, it was richer as a result of that. Um, but, you know, and the other thing about uh, my parents or my dad in particular, he is a huge sports fan. I grew up, you know, around all the Oklahoma, you know, sports teams and and that way it's in my blood. And so I, I love that. I love to interact with my father about that. And, um, and, you know, again, just, they just felt like we could do anything and we're very positive about that and very enabling, um, you know, in, in terms of that. And so, you know, I graduated from Norman high school, went to the university of Oklahoma, graduated with my accounting degree and then went to work in Oklahoma city for Arthur Anderson and that was um, a big move for someone that grew up in Norman and never really went a lot of places. So anyway, that was, that was my start to my career. So at what point would you say that you began realizing that the, the way that you approached life, the, the attitude that you had, the skill set that you had um, could help people, that, that you could mm-hmm. um, make life better for other people as a leader? Well, um, I would say my first uh, opportunity at leadership was really in uh, public accounting, which my, you know, my degree was in accounting. Uh, One of the things that's so great about public accounting firms is the way that they move you through your career. You, you know, you go in as a, as a staff person, move up to that next level as a, what they call a senior accountant and, and within three years of beginning your career, maybe two, you're actually supervising other people. And so you're interacting um, and having an influence over them. And, you know, that was, so that was the beginning of it for me. I was able to do that. And I really, uh, I think the way that, that I guess my personal makeup, how I work and how I think was, was aligned well with that because it was a framework that I could work in. And, um, and I, the other thing about it was, as you know, you, you know, with all the oil and gas ups and downs in Oklahoma City, you learned at an early age to face those ups and downs. And you had some adversity with your clients, had some real struggles, financial struggles and that sort of thing. So you had to solve problems at a kind of, again, at an early point in your career. So, you know, you were supervising people, showing leadership by helping, you know, them do better at their job. And there was a a typical review process and that sort of thing that just kind of kept you in that that framework. And um, again, that worked well for me. It taught me a lot about each level of the organization. You're, You're meant to improve the process so that that customer facing part was really right Mm -hmm. by the time that it reached the customer. And, you know, but then also the adaptive nature of dealing with uh, companies that have these deep cycles. uh, You know, I learned that at an early age too. You know, some of the, the world's greatest entrepreneurs over the last century have come from uh, Oklahoma. They've come from Arkansas where you, where you live now and uh, not that you leaders come from all over, but it's interesting to see the number 
Uh, oh, I agree. Really successful. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on why that might be? Well, I think um, when I think about uh, Oklahomans and, and Arkansans, I think, uh, you know, I, I said this early on, just there's, there's hard work and grit about the people that I grew up around and that I've, I've worked around. Um, and I think that, um, you know, taking, knowing that that's the way people are or, you know, approaching, I guess, the situation that way allows you to not see the obstacles and things, but you can, you can see the opportunity in them. And I really think that's, that's a lot of the story. But, you know, um, having Sam Walton in Northwest Arkansas, um, I think just his way of seeing an opportunity and not being fancy about it, um, just going and making sure that he was connecting with the customers that he either perceived that he would have, thought that he would have, or he was trying to attract doing something clever and creative to bring those. And then again, not being afraid to do the hard work, to go to the locations, to visit with people and all of that. I just think the people in this area of the country seem to have grown up with, with that um, approach. And I, I like it. So you, you grew up in Norman and you find the, the first opportunity to, to really start experiencing what it means to be a leader there in Oklahoma City. So how did you end up in Arkansas? That's an interesting uh, story, too. That's where uh, Arkansas is where my husband's from, Lance. He's from um, Salem Springs and then was also in Fayetteville. And we actually had a, a another trip in between there. Um, Oklahoma was going through the oil bust in the late 80s. And I was going to have to go to Houston with Arthur Anderson. And since I was going to be going, I thought Lance and I talked about, well, where do we really want to go? And so we decided to move. Uh, A friend of mine that I'd worked with in Oklahoma City was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Lance loves boats. We love the outdoors. So we moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida and went to work for, I went to work for Deloitte, Haskins and Sells back then. And then after we were there for a while, we realized that it was a great place to be. But what was happening was all of our vacation time, we were coming back to Oklahoma. (laughs) We had a lot of visitors, but we were spending our time coming back to Oklahoma because we wanted to see everybody. And so so then when we decided we were going to move back from there, it was about uh, getting close to home, getting close to family. And then Lance loved Arkansas. And so we, again, another person that I knew from that Oklahoma City office at Arthur Anderson was at Ernst & Young in Little Rock. And that's, I contacted him, said we wanted to move back to the area. And uh, that's what we did. So I ended up at, in Little Rock and then the connection to my company, which you haven't asked me about yet, but that came from our company that I, you know, that I run today being a client of mine in Little Rock. So that's kind of the, the story, the loop around. What an interesting time to, to be in Arkansas as Arkansas was really coming into its own as a, a legitimately a, a global power 
uh, on um, so many things, really. But that would have been an exciting time. So you, you make your way to, to Fort Smith, and, and you you start off there with uh, ArcBest. Uh, tell us about the the process that led you from uh, where you were uh, to being able to be in the, in the leadership position that you're in now. Well, I came to our company um, in 1997. Um, and one of the things that was important about that transition was my kids were five and three. And so uh, that was a big decision because I had worked around our company and I knew that it was going to require a lot of work for me. And I was, um, again, accountant and accountant by you know, my education and what I'd been doing and my connection to the company. And so I was asked to become the controller of the company, basically. And, um, and so I knew what that job was going to be. And my husband raised his hand and said, if you want to take that job, I will be a stay-at-home dad. And so that was a very enabling, um, you know, part of that decision for me because I knew that it wouldn't be uh, kind of the combination of things that I would have liked otherwise. So it, it was helpful. And so then from there, um, I, you know, worked with the leadership team, um, became the CFO of our company and had a lot of board exposure during actually both of those roles, the controller role and the CFO role. And so I knew our, knew our board of directors really well. Um, prior to being asked to be CEO. So it was, you know, and, and so that was really over 10 years, I guess, from 97 until I was asked to be CEO of the company in 2009. That uh, transition from being an accountant to being CFO to now being in the role that you're in, th- there's a lot of discussion about that the challenge is not just skill sets that you're adding on, but it's an identity change. It's a shift in, in who you are, in part because at one point you're being rewarded for doing. And then as you go down the line, you're being rewarded for being the orchestrator of the doing, which is a different idea. Mm-hmm. So when you take on these different roles, that did you feel that sense of that there was that, that you were changing uh, with it? Did you did you was it scary? How, how did you feel about all that? Yeah. Well, yes, I I think it's at some points it was kind of scary, but what was interesting and I I can really reflect well on this now at the time, I don't know that I can honestly say that I was aware of what was happening, but you know, when you're in the, the boardroom, you're putting together materials for the board of directors that um, are supposed to be responsive about how the company is done and where you're headed, uh, you you begin to really think through that. So I had that role to a large extent for many years, working with you know the CEOs. I, I worked for uh, two, Robert Young and then Bob Davidson. Um, but Robert was there throughout that entire time as he just moved on to chairman. But I, I was asked to do that kind of thinking and that kind of work. And so, you know, I would obviously be directed by them and their ideas and what they wanted to do. But I also, with the two of them, they just happened to be people that you could 
work with and develop ideas, try things on. And, you know, they, some, some of those they would like and others of those, they would say, no, I'd rather do it a different way. So I, I, through that whole period, I was learning more about my own thoughts about what the direction of our company should be. And perhaps more than I realized, because when I was asked to take the job, I was, it was uh, you know, almost like an out-of-body experience. I, I knew that I was going to say yes, but then I was kind of thinking about that almost outside of the situation and thinking, oh my gosh, what a big decision you just made, but you just made it so easily. You know, it was, that's kind of an interesting thing looking back at it. Well, I, I, I'm again, I'm so glad that you said, you said yes. And it's uh, to me, looking back on it, since you've been in, in the role that you've been in, it, it's really shocking of not only have uh, you increased revenue by uh, over a billion dollars and uh, you, you've moved into a new corporate office, you've repositioned the company, you've aligned it. Uh, you've taken these different pieces and put them together in one arc best that has different lines, but it's one idea that's really uh, pretty amazing. So if I look at where you are today, if you could have gone back and given the person that was being invited into that role some counsel, mm-hmm. what advice would you have given to that version of you? Well, I think um, one of the things that I value so much today is uh, just that simple, clear communication. You know, I'm, I'm someone who doesn't mind the details, but I think it's, it's very, very valuable to be able to communicate simply and clearly with people. And so that's one piece of advice I would give is, is uh, to be better at that, to work at that. And, you know, perhaps another one would be to, um, Trust your instincts on some changes that at times need to be made. You know, when you come into a company that's been in business for as long as ours and has the, you know, the strong roots and foundation, you can see things that need to change, but your, you know, your confidence level in, is that actually right? (laughs) Sometimes it's not there. And I've learned that my instincts are better than I think, and and what I wish that I would have done a little differently is maybe acted quicker on those. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I uh, interviewed uh, several CEOs who were in retirement or near retirement, and I asked them that same question, and they didn't know each other and they didn't have a connection. But it was interesting that every single one of them said what you just said right now, of they would have taken more risks sooner and trusted themselves more, which I find fascinating. Thank you for, for sharing mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Looking at your, your life, you know, people talk about leadership and, and they talk about it in a way that is uh, very positive typically. But the reality is that leadership requires the willingness and the ability to endure a lot of hardship and pain, to be, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So looking at the trade-off of I'm willing to endure this pain to help other people succeed, you know, all the different things. But if I'm looking at what is your favorite thing about being a leader, Mm -hmm. what are some of the favorite moments for you? Some of them are watching people that I feel should succeed, that I've had some level of investment in 
actually do that, actually do really well. And and it's interesting that you asked that again during this pandemic, because I've gotten to see some of that. People that that lean into the situation rather than take a step back. I've seen more of that than uh, perhaps I would have expected, but I'm very, very happy about it. It makes me happy. It really does. So when the pandemic is said and done, and we look back at this time, what do you hope that the people who are part of the ArcBest community will be able to say about their company and how they responded during this time? That we made the right moves. We, we made sure that we were able to take advantage of the turn back up in the business and that we positioned our people as best as we could that we really had to, um, I think, think hard about those different decisions because it's just, you know, when you have to lay people off or you have to uh, reduce salaries, uh, work hours, those kinds of things, you know the impact that that's going to have. And uh, it's hard. But what I want is for all of that to be worth something. And that something is that we're better positioned on the backside to take advantage, you know, of that upturn in business or those next opportunities in such a way that we've created even more opportunity for the company. For, for people who are willing to, to serve as leaders who recognize that they can make life better for people in a, in a role like your own, what are, what are some resources that you think have been helpful to help you along the way, whether it was pursuing that degree in accounting or um, a mentor here or there? What are some resources you think were, were helpful to helping you shape who you, who you became? Well, you know, I think um, one of the things, you, since you mentioned the accounting part of it, um, you know, I think one of the things that I've run into is at times there are people who say, well, an accountant could never be a CEO. That person is to whatever. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to apply those. You know, those descriptive words to it because I don't agree with it. But what I love about my financial background is that I I don't have to uh, work so hard to understand the numbers. That's obvious to me. What has gone on from that standpoint. So what I get to do is skip past that, I absorb that quickly, skip past it and work on the, on the solution to the problem or the, you know, the, whatever, maybe it might be an opportunity too. I don't mean to be negative, but, you know, so that's a real benefit is, is understanding the financial implications of your business. And so I like that a lot. The other thing is, you know, find people that you value their leadership and, um, ask them, would they be your mentor or reach out to them and, you know, seek their advice. Because I think sometimes uh, up and coming leaders are afraid to do those things. But I think we all see people that we value their approach. I mean, when I, I think about Robert Young and especially during a crisis, I think, wow, you know, it was great during the great recession to sit across you know, I'm sitting in the, the the chairs that are on the opposite side of the desk from him, and he is as calm as a person as you've ever seen. I mean, he was not shaken by that. He knew we were going to get through it, 
Um, I talked to him on the phone about this situation. He's confident that we're going to get through it. He just, and that is so helpful when you can find people that really help you think through the most difficult things. And so doing that as well. And then I think I read a lot. I do. I just, I, I really appreciate uh, new thoughts and ideas. And, you know, some of that is more in the, in the tech and innovations area than it used to be. But I love that. But I also just love pure leadership, you know, reading because it just helps you to sit back and think about just different techniques or strategies and approaches that you can use to engage people. Um, but th- those are some of those things. The uh, first people I met in, in your company um, were, were two people that uh, have become dear friends now. One was uh, Aaron Gaddis, and mm-hmm. the other one was a, a man named Rich Crutch. Mm-hmm. And I sat down with them and, and we were talking about the, the company. I didn't know a whole lot about the company at the time. And they just had this passion for what you were building and then they were coming up with ideas and they came back to you and, and they weren't sure if it was going to go or not. And, and then to come to find out, not only were you uh, enthusiastic about that, but their area of um, really kind of people and culture, the, the, the direction of the company became a real important piece of the puzzle for you. And so t- today, your company has one of the, the top uh, training and development programs of any company in the world. Why did you choose to invest like that in, in people like specifically now like Aaron Gaddis? Why did you why did you choose to invest in that area for your company? Well, one basic reason is that the it, the power of the organization comes from its people. And I began to see that the longer that I was in leadership. Um, you realize you can't do it by yourself. It's not just from two or three people that what you're going to accomplish is really coming from those employees that are giving that, that extra effort, that discretionary effort, how well prepared they are, what kind of attitude they have and how they're led. And so, you know, that was uh, quite a bit of it. I mean, honestly, in the beginning, we were seeing uh, what, best-in-class companies were doing, and we we really did not have what we needed in the beginning. Um, and it required quite a bit of investment. But, you know, what made that easier is a, the leader uh, in Aaron Gaddis that we have and, and, and Rich and his, you know, something about Rich is he's, you know, he's connected with you, uh, but he connects with people that are outside of our company and, and helps bring us really good ideas. And I've always appreciated that about Rich. But, you know, those two people that you mentioned, you know, leading what has become a great employee engagement, development, you know, leadership creator, really. It, it's just, uh, it's one of those things that I was talking about earlier that really makes me proud and happy. Um, but we we needed to do that work and we had a lot of work to do at the time. And I was, I'm glad that we had some leaders that could bring that about, um, that I could trust. That's the other thing about those two high level of trust in those two individuals. And that makes it some of this easier. <laughs> so when people listen in on this conversation and they 
think about their own futures. Some people, like I would guess most people actually at ArcBest, didn't think they would be in that line of work. It wasn't necessarily the line of work that drew them to it, to where you are, but it was the culture. It's the um, the idea began to grow, and, and you can see a lot of people who did not start down that path, but now they're there. If there's someone listening in who would love to be a part of a company like ArcBest or ArcBest specifically, how do they learn more about ArcBest? Well, um, you can learn a lot uh, by looking at our website. And, you know, it's at arcb.com. But, um, you know, if, if there's a genuine interest there, I mean, we, our leadership team is, you know, open and available, can be contacted. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't hesitate to do that. I mean, our company, the, the mission for our company says a lot. It's to connect and positively impact the world through solving logistics challenges. That's what we are asking of our people to do. And like you said, you know, many people don't wake up thinking, I want to go be a logistics expert, but they do wake up saying, I care about people and I love to solve problems. And if that's you, you're going to do great things with our company because that's what um, most all of our employees love. I, I know there was a there was an assistant that worked for one of the longtime officers here that retired, you know, after I was in my role for a while. And I remember her saying that was the common uh, thread among those leaders that she'd worked for. She said, I don't know what these leaders are going to do after they retire because all day long they enjoyed solving challenges for people. Wow. And I thought that that was a really simple thing, but it, it was very true. And, um, and, and talking to those people after they retired, they, were, they felt that same thing. They said, well, gosh, you know, that's what I miss. I miss the people interaction. I miss the puzzles, the problems, things that I was able to work through. And um, anyway, so they went and I guess did that with their home projects or something. <laughs> but uh, we, do have, we do have great challenges, but we have great people. Well, there's no shortage of problems to be solved. So hopefully they were able to uh, use those skills in another place. Last question uh, is a bit awkward and, and I know that you're not going to love it, but uh, <laughs> I like to ask this question because I'm just curious about this. And so um, I'll go ahead and jump into it. What, what is the best compliment you've ever received? I, I, I received a compliment um, it was after the Great Recession, um, but uh, there was, uh, it was actually a fellow leader of mine introduced me and described me as courageous. And that was really, um, it made me feel uh, great because I hadn't heard that said about myself before. I never, I just, I think of the, some of the things that we've had to encounter as just what we needed to do. And to hear that description, that, that made me proud of the work that we'd done as a, you know, as a company. I didn't really kind of say, well, that's just me. It's, it's more, you know, the kind of the body of work that we've done as a company. But I, I really appreciated that compliment. Well, thank you again for your time today. I'm so happy that um, 
that there are organizations that are beginning to recognize you and, and ArcBest for what you're doing. Um, but even if they had not, I am very confident in saying that you are one of America's great CEOs. And I'm thankful that you've chosen to uh, use your talents in a way that makes life better for people. Today has been a great day at the Strata Leadership Show and Judy McReynolds and what's happening at ArcBest is just phenomenal. So if you want to learn more about ArcBest, please check them out. It's a company that I've worked with and I know these people closely and they're the kind of people you want to do life with. So thank you for listening in on the Strata Leadership Show where we try to bring leaders together to talk about important things and how we can impact life. It's the role of leaders to set the pace So today, set the pace. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.